The Franciscan Friars of the Atonement present the Ave Maria Hour. Hello, this is Father Bob Warren of the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. Thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour radio show. The Friars' popular Ave Maria Hour was first brought to the radio airwaves in 1939, recorded in New York City and on the mountainside grounds at Graymore, a home in Garrison, New York. These timeless classic stories of the Bible and the lives of the saints came to life each week through dramatic reenactment by professional actors and actresses. You know, friends, Christ once said, Do not hide your treasure under a bushel. In saying this, he meant share your gifts, share your talents. The Friars of the Atonement feel the message in these broadcasts remains as powerful and timely as when they were originally aired, and we are so happy to be able to share them with you today. To learn more about the missions and ministries of the Friars of the Atonement, I invite you to visit our website, www.atonementfriars.org. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour. St. Genevieve, Part 1. I was Bishop of Paris when, in the year 429, the name Genevieve was first mentioned to me under circumstances, I'm reluctant to admit, did not endear it. I had planned a reception for Germanus, Bishop of Auxerre, whom the Pope had chosen to head a mission to the Britons. The reception was a dismal failure because the honored guest failed to make an appearance. But he did arrive the next day. I'm sorry to have upset your plans, Bishop. But you tell me you stopped overnight at Nanterre. It's only four miles from Paris. The people asked me to address them. I intended to drive on to Paris after my sermon, but my attention was drawn to a face so remarkable I had to know more about her. She must have been remarkable indeed to delay you a full day. Her demeanor was so pious, so thoughtful. Her, Her whole being so concentrated on me and my words as if... as if she were in ecstasy. After the sermon, I inquired about her. Yes, and what did you discover? Her name is Genevieve. She's seven years old. A child of seven? You'd have to see her to understand. I saw the grace of God within her, and a voice within me whispered that this child was no ordinary child that one day she would perform no ordinary deeds. She most likely will marry a villager when she grows up and lead a very ordinary life. I'm sure that won't happen. And how can you be so sure? I had the child brought to me. I asked her this question. Is it your desire to serve God only and to be nothing but the spouse of Christ? She said, that is my desire and I beg you to bless me so that from this moment I may be consecrated to God. 
Rather unusual vocabulary for a child of seven. Yeah. You don't really suppose she had any idea of what you were saying? Well, I wanted to know more about her, so I stayed the night and had her brought to me the next morning. I asked her if she had remembered the promise made the night before. And had she? She repeated it, telling me that she hoped she would be able to keep it. I uh, gave her the duplicate of uh, this medal. I told her to wear it around her neck and never to wear any other jewelry. I see it's a plain disc with a cross engraved. Yes, I, uh, I would like you to keep it. Thank you. I shall wear it. So, Bishop, that is the cause of my delay. I hope your interest in this child is justified. We'll have to wait. I'm sure you'll know her when she presents herself for veiling. If she presents herself, time and events erode promises, even the most solemn. Ah, but consider the opposite of your axiom. What do you mean? Time and events can strengthen the desire to keep a promise. Germanus departed for Britain, and I forgot the incident, except for a momentary speculation as to what might be the effect on child, parents, and neighbors regarding one who had been so singled out for future sanctity. Genevieve! Genevieve! Come back this instant! Mother, I'm late for church. Don't argue. Come here. Mother, please. I'll hang the wash the moment I return from church. You'll put it out right now. Mass will be over, Mother. Please, let me do it later. Just because the bishop gave you a pat on the head when you were a child doesn't mean you have to spend all of your time in church. Oh, but the bishop said... I remember what he said to you and to me and to your father. But nothing's come of it, except to make the neighbors laugh at us or be envious. It's become maddening to us to hear you go on about a promise every time your father mentions the word marriage. Mother, it was a promise. A solemn promise. Get back into your house dress and finish the wash. Mother, if I don't go to mat... <gasps> now, change your dress or you'll get another. <gasps> oh, what's happened? Oh, why is it dark all of a sudden? Mother, what is it? <gasps> Mother, it's not dark. I, I can't see. I can't see. Oh, God in heaven, I'm blind. Mother. Mother. Genevieve. I'm frightened. Oh, here, Mother. Here, take my hand. Take me to the house. I struck my child. God has punished me. Genevieve, what are you doing here, kneeling at the spring? You should be home helping your mother. I'm praying that God will bless this water with which I wash my mother's eyes. And that he will let her see again. A lot of good that's going to do. It's two months since your mother went blind. God will restore her sight. You really believe that, don't you? Well, maybe you should. I'm told you were having a terrible fight with your mother the day she went blind. That's not true. Mm, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But that's what people say. And I think you're to blame, and that's why you're here asking for a miracle. Well, there isn't going to be any miracle... Your mother's blind, and she's going to stay blind. And there's nothing you or anyone else on this earth can do about it. The one I ask is in heaven. Is that you, Genevieve? Yes, Mother. Oh, you were gone longer than usual. 
I, I got worried. Oh. Genevieve, it's, it's so frightening to be alone in darkness. Oh, I'm sorry you were worried. Here, now, put your head back while I bathe your eyes. Uh, you think God knows how sorry I am for striking you? He knows, Mother. It was my fault for not doing as I was told. But I tried to, to stop you from going to his church. Mother, don't punish yourself anymore. Remember, you promised me you wouldn't talk about it. Yes, I'm sorry. Oh, the water feels so cool, so refreshing on my eyes. Oh, dear God, forgive me. Forgive me for striking Genevieve. <laughs> Dear Jesus, forgive us for our sins. Dear Jesus, give back my mother's sight. I implore you. Genevieve! Oh, I, I, I see shadows. Uh, I can see you. Uh, yes, I, I can see the sky through the window. Oh, Genevieve, I can see you again. Oh, Mother, Mother, God has answered our prayers. It was a dismal, rainy day in Paris. I was cold, damp, and hungry when I returned to my office from my calls and was told three young women had been waiting for over an hour to be veiled. I was tempted to send them home and have the ceremony the next day, but decided it would be better to get it over with. I called them in according to age and asked the routine questions. By the time I examined the first two, I was weary and in no mood for further interviews. I barely glanced up as, thank goodness, the last candidate entered. Close the door, please. Your name? Genevieve. Where from? Nanterre. It is your solemn desire to take the veil and devote yourself to God? It's my only desire, Your Grace. Be warned. Once having taken this step under solemn vow, it would be a sin to retract. My vow was taken long ago. Indeed. I've come to keep the promise I made to Bishop Germanus. What's that? Bishop Germanus? What did you say your name was? Genevieve. When Bishop Germanus stopped overnight in Nanterre ten years ago, he blessed my vocation. I remember. So you're the Genevieve whom he mentioned. Come closer. Yes. Yes, I see now what Bishop Germanus meant. I do not understand, Your Grace. I remember something Bishop Germanus said to me, my child. Your two companions wore jewelry. You do not. I do wear a medal. It's under my collar. I would very much like to see it. Yes, Your Grace. Yes, it is the same. Look, my child, at the one I wear... Why, it's just like mine. Like the one the bishop gave me. Bishop Germanus gave it to me shortly after he gave you yours. Now I have something for you. This, my child. The veil. 
I unveil you now without further ceremony, for heaven sanctified you long ago when Bishop Germanus, my brother in Christ, blessed your intention. I place this veil upon you and bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Rise, my child, and attend to your mission. Where do you wish me to begin? Return to Nanterre and live a holy life in prayer, fasting, and instructing the young. Set an example of piety and devotion for others. Go with my blessing, and when in doubt as to what course to follow, seek the answer from God. I never heard of such a thing. It's outrageous. Oh, what is? The bishop veiling Genevieve ahead of my daughter, who's two years older. Mm. You would think the proper thing to do would be to veil the oldest girl first. Well, what difference does it make? They all have veils, haven't they? That's not the point. My daughter's older, and she should have been veiled ahead of Genevieve. That's the custom. Well, I'm sure the bishop knows what's proper and what isn't. Well, I'm not so sure. Oh, I don't mean he doesn't know. It's just that Genevieve... Well... Well? Well what? She's bewitched him. That's what she did, bewitched him. (laughs) Nonsense. Witches have no power against the religious. They don't go near anyone with a crucifix. Well, maybe not, but she used some kind of trickery, just as she did when her mother was cured of blindness. Oh. You think that was a trick? I didn't at first. Oh, I was like all of you. Thought the water had been blessed. But tell me this. Has anyone else been cured? Oh... Well, no, not that I've heard of. Do you know what I think? Oh, what? Her mother pretended to be blind so that later she could be cured so as to make Genevieve seem blessed with miraculous power. Why would her mother want to do a thing like that? Ever since that Bishop Germanus stopped for the night and for some mysterious reason talked privately with Genevieve, they'd been acting as if they were above all the rest of us. Mm. Genevieve fasting, living on bread and barley soup, pretending to look into the future. Well, I'm tired of it, and I'm going to tell her so. (laughs) When are you going to do all this? But now, right now, the minute I can find her, and I'm going to denounce her publicly as an imposter and a hypocrite. Friends, listen. Within our lifetime, hordes of barbarians will come out of the East, numerous, warlike, and their leader will be so ruthless against Christianity, he will be called the scourge of God. Paris will one day fall to a king of Franklin, a pagan, but whose son will become Christian and a defender of the church. Barbarians fall of Paris. My, she's just brimming over with bad news. Can't you look into the future and tell us something cheerful? Yes, I don't want to hear bad news. Christianity will be put to the test and will suffer reverses, but will gather strength from trial and temporary defeat. I'm moving to Paris. But would you mind telling me when these barbarians are coming so I can arrange to miss them? (laughs) Who is this pagan who'll take Paris? I don't know the name, only that he will come. Why tell us things you don't know? That people may devote themselves to God and fortify themselves through prayer to withstand their trials and suffering. Oh, we're fools to listen to her. She speaks for the devil. She's in league with him. She used her spell on the bishop to get her veil. You must listen to me. 
Voices come to me and speak the truth. They tell me I must warn all of you. Voices? <laughs> Look, it's your own voice you hear, making up stories to frighten people. No, not to frighten, but to persuade you to have faith in God, your protector, your deliverer. Tell us the truth about your mother's blindness. You say you took water from the spring and said a prayer, and upon washing her eyes, your mother was cured. Well, a dozen people took water from the spring to cure afflictions. Not one was cured. Oh, listen, listen, please. I didn't say the well was miraculous. It wasn't the water that cured my mother. It was my prayer. It was a hoax to impress all of you. Her mother pretended to be blind so Genevieve could cure her. Who ever heard of a mother going blind for cuffing a child? <laughs> if that were so, every mother in Nanterre would be psyched. <laughs> she says she cured by prayer. Genevieve, please say a little prayer and ask my cold to go away. <laughs> I'm overweight. Would you please help me? <laughs> she can't cure anything. She predicts but mentions neither time nor names. Citizens, I'll make a prediction that'll come true at uh, once. I predict that right now, Genevieve will be hit in the face by this handful of mud. <laughs> without complaint these insults and persecutions until her parents died. Then, with her godmother, she moved to Paris. She traveled to nearby towns to help many less fortunate than she, the sick, the poor. She continued to foretell disaster, and before long, everyone was against her. I was convinced of her sincerity, her devotion, even her holiness, but I became increasingly disturbed regarding her predictions. Was she divinely blessed and able to see into the future? Or was she influenced by forebodings of disaster not uncommon with those who feel that evil should not go unpunished? I decided to confine her activities to Paris, where I could observe her. I've just returned from a pilgrimage to the shrine of St. Martin. I found your message and came at once. I, I have a new assignment for you. One that's dear to my heart and one I think you're well qualified for. Whatever you ask, I shall do. I wish you to take charge of all veiled young women in Paris. You will instruct them and set an example for them to follow. Very well, Your Grace. Uh, the mail, Your Grace. Oh, uh, please leave it on my desk. These duties will command all your time and confine you to Paris. Oh, I'll miss my visits to other cities. And frankly, one reason for assigning you to Paris is because of the hostile reception in those places. It doesn't disturb me. It does me. The conduct of each individual reflects on the church, and disrespect to you is disrespect to the church you represent. What can I do, Your Grace? Cease making predictions. That's what angers the people. But, Your Grace, my message has come from heaven. I must warn against disasters. You've made numerous predictions that Paris would fall to a pagan. A barbarian invasion would threaten Rome. That was several years ago. Because the day and hour hasn't been revealed, does that mean my voices are false? These things are to happen within my lifetime. Each passing day brings the disaster nearer. No one believes you. I'm besieged by hard-headed citizens who complain bitterly about you. 
But with no tangible proof, I can no longer defend you. Proof to convince the hard-headed citizens, Your Grace? I need proof to convince myself. Let's have no more discussion. You must refrain from making predictions. You may go. Very well, Your Grace. Bishop Germanus. What is it? Why do you stand there? In your mail, there's a letter from Bishop Germanus. Read it at once. So there is. But I've been expecting one for a long time. He does not write from Rome. It's from Syria. That's strange. Read it. I've fled Rome. Attila the Hun, coming from beyond the Euros, sweeps everything before him. He has forced the Emperor of the East to pay tribute. He is descending on Rome and has sent his demands to the Emperor. He is so ruthless, there are those who believe he's a scourge sent by God to punish the sinful. Unless he is stopped, all Europe will be overrun. I fear even for distant Paris. From Rome, Attila turned westward. He crossed the Danube and moved swiftly through Central Europe, then crossed the Rhine, the Meuse, and his forces were soon at the Marne. Your Grace, what's happened? Attila is headed directly for Paris. Assemble your women. Tell them to pack what provisions they can carry and be prepared to leave at a moment's notice. Abandon Paris to the barbarians? We have no choice. God will save our city. Other Christian cities have fallen, and now Paris is in his path. I'll call the women, but not to leave Paris. You must, I command you. Oh, let me take them to the chapel. There we'll pray continually for deliverance of our city. No, I cannot permit such... such... Such a risk, Your Grace. You're asking if I doubt the power of prayer. Heaven help me. I'm at a loss to answer. If armies are useless against Attila, what is left but prayer? But I'm the Bishop of Paris. The people look to me for guidance. The responsibility is mine, should God not answer your prayers. Then, Your Grace, it will be his will we suffer. You're asking me to place the fate of this entire city in your hands? Oh, never that, but in the hands of God. Let me speak to the people. What can you say to them? You said I should be an example. Then let me. I'll lead my companions into the chapel and tell the people there we will stay in prayer. You shame me for my doubts. We are in the hands of God, and prayer is our only hope. faced with danger have been delivered by prayer. And that's what I propose now. I ask all women to join me in the chapel where we shall maintain continual prayer and fast until the danger is past. Don't listen to her. I know her from Nanterre. She's an imposter, a witch. Who speaks? Stand forward. I do. You know me well enough. 
When I stood in the square at Nanterre some years ago, did I not foretell of this man called the scourge of God who would invade our land? I was there. I heard the prediction. We are Christians. And if we are Christians, we believe in the power of prayer and the divine mercy of God. Now is the time to test our faith in him. How do we meet it? By ignoble flight, which is the sign of abandoned hope, or by prayer, which is the sign of unshakable trust in God. Prayer, let's fight. Let those who have faith in arms man the walls. Let those who think they can flee the wrath of God do so. But let all those who have faith in God join me in prayer in the chapel, for that's where I go now. turned and without looking back walked toward the chapel. The crowd parted before her. For a moment she was a solitary figure. Then from a door came a group of veiled maidens who as they fell in behind her began a psalm. A woman broke from the crowd and ran toward her. Then another and another. Some men tried to hold back their wives but they fought and broke away. A man cried out Attila had crossed the Marne and smoke from burning villages could be seen from the walls. Panic broke out, many fled. I rushed to the doorway of the chapel as men stormed it, bent on dragging their wives away by force. They pressed against me and others pressed against them. I was about to go down when from within, Genevieve lifted her voice in prayer. Oh God, hear my voice while I bewail. Guard my soul from the fear of the enemy. Protect me from the counsel of the wicked, from the uproar of the workers of iniquity who wet their tongues like swords that they might drag the innocent from their hidden places. Whatever doubts I had were driven from me as I heard Genevieve's voice rise in prayer. All fear left me as I recalled Germanus' predictions of Genevieve's holiness. I lifted my hands and the crowd knelt and I blessed them. Our fate was in the hands of God and Genevieve was his instrument. thank you for listening to this rebroadcast of the Ave Maria Hour, brought to you by the Franciscan Friars of the Atonement. For over 110 years, the Friars have devoted themselves to fulfilling St. Francis' prayer, to heal wounds, to unite what has fallen apart, and to bring home those who have lost their way. We work for Christian unity and interreligious understanding. We provide respite at our retreat center at Greymore for those in need of spiritual renewal. We staff parishes throughout the world, serve as chaplains for colleges, hospitals, and prisons. We care for the ill through hospice work, ministry to those with HIV AIDS. We also shelter the homeless 
and provide treatment and services for those suffering from alcoholism and drug addiction. If you would like to be included in our prayer list, participate in special St. Anthony Novenas, and or visit St. Anthony Shrine Graymore, attend a retreat, learn more about our Ave Maria Hour productions, or simply make a donation to assist us in fulfilling St. Francis' prayer to help those in need, please visit our website at atonementfriars.org or email me at avemaria at atonementfriars.org. You can write to me, Father Bob, Friars of the Atonement, Graymore, Post Office Box 300, Garrison, New York, 10524. And so, in closing, I ask for the blessing of God upon you and those you love. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may he look upon you with kindness and give you his peace. Amen.